It is Monday, November 13th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. A wild Sunday in the NFL. And the Jimbo Fisher era comes to an end. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is Straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. A record five NFL games ending on a last second field goal. Jimbo Fisher out at Texas A&M. And Kyler Murray is back. What is the Vegas lead here, Scott? Well, let's get into this crazy Sunday that we saw in the NFL. And right off the bat, let's just give that stat because you mentioned it there in the open. Five NFL games ended with a game-winning field goal as time expired yesterday. It was Cleveland over Baltimore, Houston over Cincy, Arizona over Atlanta, Detroit over the Chargers, and Seattle beating Washington. It's the most game-winning field goals as time expired in one day in NFL history. Pretty wild. It was a great Sunday of football. A lot of close games, yeah. It didn't end all that well for some of us. I mean, I, <laughs> we normally start on Sunday night football, and last night you were in attendance for Sunday night football. You got to see what some people would call the game of the week. I don't know any of those people, but some people would have called it that. Well, if it, if you have the kickers on your fantasy team, it was probably the game of the week. I mean, Greg Zerline got his money's worth. You know, he got got the Jets got their money's worth with Greg the leg and Daniel Carlson as well. Looked good for the Raiders, but yeah, it was another frustrating game for Jets fans. Uh, the Jets losing another game that they you know could have won, should have won. Mackenzie, I don't know if you have the 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 fourth quarter win share yet with the Jets Raiders, but it seemed like. It seemed like there was a lot of time in this game that the Jets looked like they were going to win. Yeah, the Raiders had about a 70% chance in each of the windows we look at in the fourth quarter, the first five minutes, the last five minutes, and then the end of the game. You do all the math, 75.3 fourth quarter win share. They win the game about three quarters at the time. Well, yeah, I guess you know they did take the lead with 14 minutes left in the game. So they were up 16 to 9 with 14 minutes left and and yeah it seems it seems insurmountable but it's just <laughs> once they scored a touchdown it was like oh it's over yeah it's over but it's, touchdown it's just frustrating because like the jets were able to get themselves down into the red zone very quickly after the raiders scored a touchdown but they have to settle for a field goal and then they move down the field again with a chance to score the touchdown and, and go ahead but zach wilson throws the interception and then they get the football back and have a puncher's chance, I guess you can say, at the end, and they don't even, you know, I mean, the Hail Mary falls short. But it just seemed like, the, I mean, the Jets dominated the stats in this game, and yeah. and and they didn't, they didn't, uh, it's just so frustrating, guys. I, I'll be honest. Do you think Zach Wilson had a bad game? Like, his QBR went up. He had no, like I, thought, I thought he, game. I thought he for ran the ball. Yards. He ran the ball well when, when the windows were open. Like it was what I was yelling about last week against the chargers is that he didn't run the ball enough. And, and last night he ran the ball when there was nothing open down the field. I thought he was, you know, he found Garrett Wilson uh, open many times. He made a couple of really good throws. Uh, I, maybe I wish he should have checked down more to Brees hall, but 
uh, I mean, selfishly, because I gave out over two and a half <laughs> receptions and he did get his third reception. So a winner on pregame.com, but it was a sweat at the end. It just, I didn't, I don't think it was all on Zach Wilson. I thought the play calling was horrendous. I thought that when it was third and two and they're handing the ball off to, to Brees Hall, it's just, I don't know. It just, it just, to me, there was a lot that went wrong for the Jets last night. I, I will say for Zach Wilson, I, I think maybe the thing that impressed me the most last night was he only got sacked twice. And given what happened to him against the Chargers, I just thought it was going to be a field day for the Raiders. And uh, he he did a good job of getting the ball out quicker. Like, it, and they they highlighted it actually on on the uh, on the broadcast a couple times. Like he was taking two steps and just firing the ball out, and mm-hmm. he was going to his first read a lot. It was very college quarterbacky, but it was working. And it, I mean, obviously, it worked a lot better than him trying to use the whole field like he's been doing. So maybe again, I, I think the ceiling is so low with Zach Wilson, but this it, and this actually might be the ceiling. Like what we saw last night, that might be a good Zach Wilson game, which sucks. Yeah, but it it was much better than we've seen him look lately. Well, look, they had the same amount of drives as the Raiders, and they had almost a hundred more yards of offense than the Raiders and they lost and they haven't scored a touchdown in their last 11 quarters plus overtime. Like think about that. The last time the Jets scored a touchdown was in the first quarter against the Giants three weeks ago. And it's not for lack of talent because Garrett Wilson is a star player. Brees Hall is a star player. Dalvin Cook actually looked like he had fresh legs last night. And and yes, Zach Wilson is going to be hit or miss. He's going to be awful. But there are times and there were moments last night where you saw the talent and you're like, you know what? I, I can see some potential here. This, I mean, they're the perfect example of what the NFL today is. It doesn't matter how good your team is. It doesn't matter how good your running backs, your receivers your offensive line, your defense, none of that matters if you don't have a quarterback. Like, it is the great equalizer. It can take teams that have really good teams with a bad quarterback. They, that's what the Jets are. You mm-hmm. take a t- you look at a team like the, uh, like, the, like the Chiefs. The Chiefs don't have a ton of talent on that team. But they've got Patrick Mahomes, and that wins you a whole lot of games. Like, I mean, look at look at look at Josh Dobbs. Look at what Josh Dobbs has done yeah. in two weeks with the Minnesota Vikings. And and I'll be honest, like if the Jets had Josh Dobbs at their quarterback, I think they win the last two weeks. Dude, I'll give you another great example. The Cardinals looked like a different team today, and I'm I'm not the biggest Kyler Murray guy, but he's a he's a serviceable real life NFL quarterback. And suddenly that team had life. Like I mean, it makes all the difference in the world when you've got a serviceable, like mm-hmm. a baseline. You you can't be worse than this type of guy. And the Jets just don't have that, unfortunately. Well, we're, let's get into those other games here in just a second. But one note here on the Raiders, they win. They improve to 5-5. Five and five. I mean, what's the ceiling for this team? Do they have a chance to capture a wild card spot? I mean, the schedule gets difficult, but 2-0 and right now under Antonio Pierce and holding back-to-back opponents to 6 points and 12 points. Then again, it was the Giants and the Jets. Yeah, I, I think that you have to – Aiden O'Connell is not an answer either. Uh, and you, like you said, it worked when the, when the Raiders weren't at a major quarterback disadvantage in the game. But in most games, they will be. I don't think he's very good. Uh, I did see this stat, though, Scott. Since 2018, the Giants and the Jets have played in 34 primetime games. Mm-hmm. Their record is now 4-30. and 30. 
So let's keep scheduling them on primetime. The Jets, uh, <laughs> we're going to see them on Black Friday against the Dolphins, the NFL's first ever Black Friday game, and the Jets will be on primetime once again. Yeah, I'm sure it'll go well. <laughs> so the Raiders are 5-5. Five and five. What do you think their odds to make the playoffs are? Hmm. I'm going to say I, I, I'm going to guess 30 percent. I will. I'll, I'll say that they're probably something like uh, plus 250. I would have been closer to you guys. Astronomically wrong. We all are. Yes, it's plus 750. No, minus 1250. Wow. About a 10% chance, Vegas says. Yeah, well, I'm looking at the playoff standings right now. They are currently the 11th seed because of they lose a tiebreaker to Indy. And the Bills and Bengals and Texans are 5-4. and four. They've played one less game. So if... You know, if those teams lose and we're talking about a six and five Raiders team versus a five and five Bengals or a five and five Bills, then then the odds are going to change. It'll, it'll I, change week to week. I don't know how many games the Raiders will be favored in going forward. They're at Miami. They have, they, and they got to play the Chiefs. Yeah, Chiefs, Vikings at home. Maybe they'll be favored. Chargers at home. I, I doubt it even. Uh, then at the Chiefs, at the Colts, home Broncos to end the season. So, I don't know. It's, it feels like a, an eight-win Raiders team. Yep, still goes yeah. over. Still goes over their season total, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. Just climbs over the seven and a half, <laughs> and that's all that matters. All right. Let's talk about the exciting games that we saw here yesterday, and uh, we'll, we'll start with the game that kicked things off in Germany, where the Colts defeated the Patriots ten to six as the ineptitude of the New England offense continues to show. Mac Jones throws a bad interception and gets taken out on the final drive. The Patriots have a chance to go down the field and win the game, and Belichick pulls the plug on his starting quarterback. Well, have you ever seen that before? No. Mackenzie, Mackenzie, have you ever seen that? Like a chance, They have a chance to win the game, and he goes I've to Billy Zappi. In the last quarter. In the last drive, literally 90 seconds, no timeouts left. Never seen anything like it. It was very Belichick in that way, being completely insane from the outside looking in. I mean, this season is just lost. The Patriots are, are certainly in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. And is that going to be something that rejuvenates Bill Belichick? Is Bill Belichick even back next year? Does he want I don't to know. be back he's, next year? He, you could see on the sidelines, he's, he's so miserable right now. Like, and I, I guess I would be too. Like, it, not, not a lot going his way, but it is. Uh, it, it, I don't think he's ever had frustration like this. He's never. He's never been in this position before, where he's looked at like his team is looked at as one of the the joke teams of the league. Mm-hmm. We know that Brady wanted to prove that he can win without Belichick. Do you think Belichick wanted that as well, and that's why he hung around instead of calling it quits when when Brady left? I'm sure he wants that. I think he currently wants that. That is still his goal to somehow emerge as, you know, a winner that doesn't need break. Yeah, I I do think it was an an ego battle with both those guys. Like, they both wanted to show that. I mean, I don't think. Well, especially after Tom wins a Super Bowl in the first year. Yeah. (laughs) And and then Belichick's like, all right. (laughs) Listen, I'm a believer that that it takes it takes more than just one player to have greatness like or, or one coach like I. It, would Michael Jordan be Michael Jordan without Phil Jackson? Like it's easy to say, oh, well, he he would have been great. Never wherever. seen it, maybe, but we don't know. Um, so I I tend to believe that it ta- it took both of them to to really make that magic happen. I'm not saying they wouldn't have had success elsewhere, but I think their their success together is so much greater than it ever would have been yeah. separate. 
And when I say we've never seen it, I mean we've never seen him win without Phil Jackson. I obviously know that he had coaches right. before Phil Jackson. But when you look at the Patriots and you look at this team, how do I say this? I want to be polite in in respecting people's opinions that still back Bill Belichick, right? Because the talk is he's he's smarter than every other coach, right? And he builds the defense and they take away what your offense does best. But we are not seeing that from this Patriots defense. And we haven't seen it in a couple of seasons. And so at what point do you just have to say that maybe the game is passing Belichick by? And it's not that, oh, he's going to win because the defense is going to take away what you do best. No. They're, I mean, yes, they held the Colts to 10 points, but before that, they're allowing 30-plus points to three of their last five opponents. He's learning the hard way. Well, first of all, the injuries have piled up on that defense, and but he's learning the hard way, what we talked about earlier. If you don't have a quarterback, you can't win in this league, and he doesn't have a quarterback. None of these guys are the answer. Mac Jones is not it. Bailey Zappi's not it, as much as I, I hate to say it. Bailey Zappi's not going to be the guy. Um yeah, he, he, and until he gets another quarterback, until he gets someone that's above that serviceable line, mm-hmm. this is what your team looks like. Let's ha- let's talk about the Texans beating the Bengals outright 30-27, a wild game because, you know, Houston was in control. And then all of a sudden, like, the, the Bengals just stormed back in, in the second half and in the fourth quarter. And the, the Texans do get the final field goal from Matt Amendola to win 30-27. I was on this game. I thought it would be a, a trap spot for the Bengals with, you know, the short week and the Ravens on deck. And maybe that's what it was early on. Maybe they overlooked this Texans team early on because Houston jumped out to that 20 to seven lead. And I was like, wow, this is playing out exactly how I thought. I don't think anybody's going to take the Texans lightly going forward. Uh, no, CJ Stroud no. is clearly the guy. Um, is he in the MVP conversation? McKenzie, where, where is he in the MVP odds right now? That is an interesting question. He has risen to he's 35 to 1. He's about the 10th favorite. It seems like that's low. If they don't make the playoffs, like I, I get I mean, could be a proxy for the Texans making the playoffs. You you get better odds on that, but if he does take that Texans team to the playoffs, his numbers are going to look good enough. It it might be warranted. He's currently but, leading the league in yards per game. By the way, Texans to make the playoffs, yes, plus 105, no, minus 125. Slight favorite to miss it. I, I mean, I think the MVP is a better bet because if they do make the playoffs, you can you can have a real discussion about if he's worthy of, of MVP consideration. Yeah, and, and there's no real candidate because exactly. we've talked about this before, 10 out of the last 15 or 12 years, like 90% of the time, the guy leading in QBR or EPA as quarterback is going to be the MVP. Well, it's, it's Josh Allen's far down the list with he his current can't. season at 5-4, and four, and Brock Purdy's also not going to win it. So it's going to be another quarterback. It very well could be C.J. Stroud. Yeah, and like the usual suspect, Jalen Hurts isn't having an MVP season. Patrick yep. Mahomes isn't having an MVP season. All the guys that you would have thought coming into this season like were real candidates just aren't having that kind of a season. So I, I think it's a realistic possibility. Um, I, I think Rookie of the Year is already sealed up. And like two weeks ago, I was like, man, Puka Nakua was like setting records for the first few weeks of the season. Like, let's, but now it's undeniable. Like CJ Stroud's, he's the or he's the uh, the rookie of the year, I think, without question. But my buddy was texting me during the uh, the Texans game. He was there and he was saying, uh, "If we lose this game, he's like, it, it kills me to say this because we were going to win this game because of CJ. But if we lose this game, it's because of CJ. Yeah. Because it, like he threw the pick when like all you had to do was run the clock out." 
and he throw up he throws a pick that just made no sense and let the Bengals get back in the game and I was like oh my gosh how can you do this but then he goes down leads the uh leads the drive and and gets the win anyway so it's it'll all be forgotten in two weeks that he made that mistake but it's just a uh it's an incredible turnaround that this team has made I I didn't think it was possible and it's funny now in hindsight remember how how ridiculous people thought it was that the Texans gave up their own draft pick in the trade to get when they traded back to get Will Anderson. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, how could you give up your own draft pick? You, you had to keep that one. Uh, it turns out they're probably okay. They probably, they probably did the right thing and they found their quarterback of the future. Will Anderson looks to be like, he's a player. The, the Texans for, for all the shit they took this off season, I mean, they're one of the one of the biggest surprises in the NFL. So I, I'm I'm really impressed with CJ. I'm impressed with what that and D'Amico Ryan's what they're doing is is unbelievable. Like if you watch that team a year ago, and you realize how little talent they actually have, for them to be where they are is is wildly impressive. And I, a lot of it is on the coach, but a lot of it is on this kid just showing up and and taking over. Well, let's, let's talk. Speaking of surprises, let's talk about the Cleveland 33 31 win over the Ravens. McKenzie, you got to help me out here with uh, the probabilities and what went down in the in the fourth quarter of this game, because I still don't know how the Browns won this football game. I mean, the Ravens were up 31 17 in the fourth quarter and lost the game 33 31. I just I, I, I don't know what ha- what happened here. I mean, I think it boils down to a, a timely turnover and, you know, the, throwing a pick six at that point in the game just couldn't be an option. And uh, it, it felt like a long shot. And then as soon as that happened, it's like, well, now it feels like now it feels like they're going to lose. So uh, when they it, when, once they missed the extra point after the pick six, I thought maybe the Ravens had a shot there. But then, I mean, it was just a, a quick. I, I think they might have gotten one first down on the next drive and they gave it back. I said, they're in trouble because Deshaun yesterday looked like Deshaun Watson. Like he, he made some, made some plays with his legs threw the ball. Well, he like, he looked like what I'm sure the Browns thought they were getting. Yeah. It's just crazy because for, for a while you're watching that game and then it's almost like you turn the game off and you're like, all right, the Ravens are clearly in control of this game. But credit the Browns. I mean, that's a really good win for them, uh, you know, especially after they lose the first time that they play the Ravens with, you know, no quarterback in that game. They kind of just punted away that game. And this was an amazing comeback and a very unlikely comeback for the the Cleveland Browns. Another moment that really kind of put them behind the eight ball was on their final drive. It was third and nine. And then they got a delay of game penalty. Yeah. And it backed it into like basically an unmanageable third down situation where you had to like kind of play it safe and and be ready to punt. Uh, But without that penalty, they're they're probably drawing up a whole different play and trying to get a first down there. Um, Just bozo stuff at at bad times. And this was the Ravens who I, I think the Ravens and the 49ers are the two teams all year I've thought are the best teams in the league. And this was the first the first Ravens game where I've been like, oh, man, there's just some things wrong with these guys. But I mean, listen, the Browns are good. Browns have a great defense. Browns, they made some things happen. And these Browns, the Deshaun Watson is a good football player. Browns could Mm -hmm. be a real problem because they have all the other things. It's just that's been the, the thing holding them back even after overcoming a pick six thrown by Watson on the first play. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Mackenzie, you got that fourth quarter win share? Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. It's the third time this year they've had a winning fourth quarter win share and lost. They had a 65% chance to win. It's the fourth time Lamar Jackson's had a 65 and lost. We were just talking about this last Wednesday that they seem to always be leading in this particular metric and then their record is not quite exactly stack up. Uh, yeah, the numbers are, are pretty stark here. I mean, they've had, they're a lot like the 49ers. The 49ers have played three close games and lost them all and completely lost their reputation as a great team after that. The Ravens have played three close games and lost them. The other games have been blowouts, mostly. Yeah. And, and, like, they're seven and three. You said the three losses, they all had, they had a, they won the fourth quarter. They should have won the game. Yeah. And each that's one. Amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. And if they were 10 and 0 right now, we'd all be drooling over these guys. It's, right. uh, it's funny yeah. how, they, but it's something to think about, you know, like when, when we're looking at these teams down the stretch and we're like, so, oh, in, oh. yeah. So, in your opinion, like, Mackenzie, does that mean that there's, there should be positive regression coming? Yes. I think they're better than a team that's going to lose every single close game. Like, yeah. they should be eight and two or nine and one. All their stats say they should be. Well, I feel that way about the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers win 23-19 over the Green Bay Packers. Gross. And they are the only team in NFL history, or some would call that the first team in NFL history, since the league started keeping track of rushing and receiving stats and yardage, they are the first team in NFL history to be outgained in every single game and still have a winning record. It's wild. That's since 1933. The league started tracking, rushing, and receiving. They were you outgained can't keep again. Getting away with this. They are the luckiest team in the NFL. I tweeted that out, and like people were like, gave me like crap for it, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like, I'm not just saying that as like an opinion. I'm saying it as a <laughs> fact. Like, if you look at all the metrics that measure like what luck is in football, the Steelers are the luckiest team in the NFL. No team has been outgained in their nine all games this season and has a winning record. I don't know how they keep doing it. Listen, if this team played the 2022 Vikings, I don't, <laughs> I don't know who would win. Triple overtime. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's it's very similar to that. Although I think the Vikings were a better team than this team. Like I, I don't see it with these Steelers. I don't. It's magic how it's happening. Uh, but they they keep finding a way to win games. And there's some you got to give some kind of credit to that. The in the schedule. So we're, we're you know the the Steelers at this point. I, I mean, with McKenzie, you've got the odds on the Steelers to make the playoffs. They're they're sitting at six and three. The worst uh, six and three team ever, but yeah, maybe. but this team like the the schedule still has some games on it. Like they host the Cardinals, they host the Patriots. Uh, they're they're at the Colts. This could be a nine or ten win team, and I, I don't think they're good at all. I, I I don't know how to explain it. You guys know Mike Tomlin's line, never had a losing record, right? That's true. <laughs> he doesn't have it one right now. He's six and three. I think next week's line is fascinating. It's Browns minus four hosting the Steelers. And if you look at it, it's really the same line that it was on Monday night. I think it was the first or second week of the season when the Browns were like pick them or minus one at Pittsburgh. So the market's like these teams are exactly who we thought they were, but somehow the Steelers are six and three. They were not expected to be six and three. By the way, their playoff odds, yes, is even money. Slight underdog. No is minus 120. Wow. You know, I as much it. as I love Mike Tomlin as an underdog, there's no way I'm taking the four points against the Browns. I think I want the Browns immediately. Yeah. I, I, I just it, – it's. I'll feel like a dummy. I, I although, will. The, although, you know what does concern me is coming off of a Raven, coming off a Ravens game, and usually 
coming the week after you play the Ravens. Same thing as like the week after you play the Steelers. It's usually not good for you. Yeah. You, it's our a, it's our a five metric game. average coming into this week had Cleveland three and a half better than an average team. Steelers two points worse. Like I'm always going to land on that side when the power ratings say it, yeah. but uh, wow. it's scary stuff betting against the Steelers. No doubt. <laughs> it is. Let's talk about the Bucks uh, beating the Titans 20 to six. Um, not a great night, a great day for Will Levis, 19 of 39 passing 199 yards, zero touchdowns and interception. What surprised me the most about the Titans offense is Derrick Henry, 11 carries for 24 yards. Like, huh? Yeah. And I've been saying like, we've seen some teams have some success running the ball on Tampa and normally historically Tampa is usually a good run defense team. They have not been this year, and there's been some there's been some uh, some leaks in that. Yet it, it, the the Titans just never really tried to get that established. And it's, you could say it's like well, game script or whatever. It, it the final score is different than what the flow of the game was. Like mm-hmm. it, the Bucks didn't even score until the second quarter, and the Titans still just seemed like they had no interest in running. And this could be a Hey, this is the Will Levis show now, and or not yesterday- just that. You know what? It, you know what it could be. Does this make sense? The team is not going anywhere this year, and so this year is to get Levis as many reps as possible, so that he's ready for next year as their full time starting quarterback. And so, if that means punting on some games and not handing the ball off to Derrick Henry 25 times, and instead we're going to pass the ball 40 times to Will Levis just because he need, they need they want to give him reps. Yeah. Could that be what they're doing? Because could, if they wanted to win that game yesterday, I, it doesn't it didn't make sense. If they would have traded their best player 2 weeks ago before benching their 40 million dollar quarterback, I could see the argument. Oh, they did that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's true. they did do that. <laughs> uh, here's the thing though, if they won that game yesterday, They'd be one game out of first place. Yeah. So it's not like the you know the sky would be fall. I mean, it's it seems. I mean, at three and six, it seems unlikely now. But I mean, they're right there. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on with this team. They're they're certainly a hard team to to trust because it feels like there's a lot of things I liked about the Titans this week, and they, I actually almost bet on the Titans this week. Thank God I didn't. But it didn't look at all like what they've looked like for most of the season. And Will Levis looked like. You know the guy that slipped to round two, and it, it, this was this is just an ugly showing all around, honestly. And and I thought there was such a huge coaching edge, like betting on Mike Vrabel ATS or betting on Todd Bowles ATS. Like, what do you think's been more profitable? It's it's, it's not close. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Bowles, this was just this was one sided. Well, the Bengals right back in the thick of things in the NFC South because everyone else uh, just loses. Uh, the Vikings beating the Saints as dogs, as home dogs, 27-19. And this line, McKenzie, correct me if I'm wrong, this line like moved to the point where the Vikings were catching three, three and a half? I, I personally didn't see a three and a half. Let me check the game center with all the archived lines. And uh, it looks like it got bet back to three. It looks like it closed three flat, but uh, a major movement from the look ahead. Or even on Saturday. Yeah, a lot of money coming in on New Orleans game day. Let me tell you something. Josh Dobbs is Josh Dobbs is fantastic. I mean, he really is. Uh, 23 of 34, 268 yards, a touchdown. He rushes for 44 yards and a score. The guy doesn't make bad decisions. And, I, I, I mean, I don't know how many weeks I have to keep saying this. The Vikings are making the playoffs. I think they are. And, it, you know, they, they finally took my advice, even though he's on my fantasy team. And I, it's, 
not great news for me, but they finally said enough of this Alexander Madison. He's no good. Yeah, uh, Ty they, Chandler, yeah. Ty Chandler took over and, and ran well. So they, they, they really seem to be finding something. And then obviously they're going to get Justin Jefferson back. To me, this game is a lot about how good are the Saints? I, I, I don't know if they're good. I, I really don't. I know everybody thinks like their defense is, is great. I don't know if it's great. And it, it, Derek Carr seems like he's getting hurt all the time or is mm-hmm. just chronically hurt, playing hurt. Um, it, there's just there's no rhythm to this offense. This is one of the worst coach teams in the NFL. Uh, I don't like the Saints team, and everybody seems to to shine some sort of positive light on them. I just don't think they're very good. My favorite thing about this game was the reports before the game said, you know, TJ Hawkinson was questionable. And they're like, oh, well, he's going to be limited and only play really in passing situations. Like, he's going to be on a snap count. Uh, 11 catches, 134 yards, and a touchdown yeah, he, for TJ Hawkinson. Super limited. Yeah, just like Jamar Chase was limited. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're it's right. It's funny because they showed Hawkinson on the broadcast for, like, one play with his helmet off. Like, yep. Doesn't doesn't have much to to go with like the uh, first quarter and he played eighty more snaps. My ribs I'm yeah. worn out. <laughs> uh, well, how about them 49ers coming off the bye week and uh, abusing the Jacksonville Jaguars thirty four to three, including a disrespectful fourth and goal attempt up thirty one points to try and get Christian McCaffrey a touchdown so that he can have the NFL record. I, was, I, I, I had mixed feelings. Mc, I had mixed yeah, feelings. Okay, Mac, I, need, I, I, I'm wait, I was waiting to talk to you about this game. I First off, uh, shout out to me for having uh, this be my best bet on the Dream Pod, the 49ers, and uh, talking about how, you know, Debo Samuel being back just completely changes this offense. What did Debo Samuel do uh, in this game yesterday? Hmm. 29 rushing yards and a touchdown. Yeah, uh, 30 receiving yards. That's that's a pretty nice day for Debo Samuel. And, oh, maybe take the attention away from your teammate, Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, who went off for good games. Anyway, uh, talk to me about your feelings, McKenzie, on the attempt to give Christian McCaffrey this touchdown. So for those who don't know and haven't been following every week, like the faithful, Christian McCaffrey has scored a touchdown in every single game he has started for at the 49ers and has gone up to 17 consecutive regular season games. It's the, most, be- the-, it's the most bet prop every single oh, really? week. Yeah, it's the most yeah. bet anytime touchdown scorer every single week um, because everyone knows 17 straight games, it's, the, it's, it's automatic. McCaffrey's going to score a touchdown. And it generally doesn't make any sense to lay money, to lay juice on an anytime touchdown prop. I talk about this with Travis Kelsey. He doesn't score 17 touchdowns a season. So why would you think any game he should score it more than 50% of the time? But this has been a different type of love affair with what the 49ers can do with McCaffrey in the red zone. And it made sense that they had four plays in the back of their pocket with a bunch of scrubs and Sam Darnold in there to try to get it to McCaffrey, whether it's passing or running the ball. It would be cool to have that record 18 straight for this to like kind of anoint this particular edition of the 49ers in which I think McCaffrey is the most valuable player maybe close with Purdy, two and a half points or so. Uh, it would have been cool. But at the same time, I always like when they when they kneel it with a one or they do something that's not all about, you know, the glory. And they're mm-hmm. just, you know, coach-like and conservative and boring. Like, actually, I'm like, attracted to that because I've always grown it up, like, with running on third and one because you keep the clock running, you kick a field goal to end the half. It's better than kicking off, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought it was a little bit out of character. Yeah, like, Kyle. Wouldn't it be? And I don't think they should have done it. Wouldn't it? Have, what if he got hurt? Wouldn't it have been cool 
to have the press conference after the game and have McCaffrey and Kyle say, guys, the only record that matters is our win-loss record, and we're trying to win a Super right? Bowl. That's it. I like, mean, it sounds cheesy, but I, I don't mind that particular <laughs> yeah. vein of coach speak. Listen, it would have been cool. If you would have caught the fourth down and five, I would have been like, awesome. It's yeah. sweet. You know, it would have been cool, but they didn't, and I don't think they should have gone for it. I was most impressed. I mean, obviously, the, the offense looked great, but I was more impressed with the defense. Like, th- to hold that Jags team to nothing. I mean, they dominated them. They made Trevor Lawrence look like he didn't know what he was doing. And this is a Jags offense that had been looking pretty good recently. Uh, they had the whole bye week to to game plan something, and they just had nothing for these guys. This was Chase a, Young in his debut had two quarterback hits. He had a half a sack and a tackle. And he's unlocked Bosa. He like he Bosa looks so much better with someone mm-hmm. taking something off of him. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty incredible, man. Like this, I, I'm back. I've I've flip flopped again. It's been uh, 49ers and Ravens this week. Yeah. 49ers are the best team. They're the best. I was gonna say. I know, like we tend to say, don't overreact to one week, but. I think the bye week came at the perfect time for the 49ers. They got healthy. They can put the three-game losing streak behind them. And now I think they're just going to go back to what they were the first five weeks of the season, which is the best team in the NFL. Uh, Not the best team in the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals, although Kyler Murray's undefeated as a starting quarterback in 2023. A 25-23 win over the Falcons. Kyler making his season debut. 19 of 32 passing, 249 yards, zero touchdowns, one pick. He did rush for 33 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, and this was a game where the the Falcons had to make a quarterback switch mid-game because yep. Taylor Heineke went out. Uh, and Des- Desmond Ritter went down with two and a half minutes to go in the game and looked like he was uh, he was the hero. And Kyler Murray took care of business, led a game-winning drive, and th- this was one of those five game-winning field goals uh, as time expired. He looked, he looked like Kyler. Like he, he looked uh, solid. He, he didn't look like he was. He certainly wasn't afraid to run, and you could see that team. They were, ex- they were so excited to win. Like they, they, I mean, they're picking up the kicker and carrying him off the field. It's mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. It, it surprised me mostly just because I, I thought that this team was almost. I don't know if they were tanking, but I, I felt like they, they weren't concerned about winning this year. Bringing Kyler Murray back tells me they want to win games and uh they're not i mean they're still not very talented but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna count them out because they they clearly want to win they are motivated to win yeah and that makes sense and you've been cashing a lot of bets in the nfl so we want to hear your immediate thoughts about betting the cardinals but i'm interested in your overarching question about how many real quarterbacks in this league are guys and people were kind of poo-pooing him he hadn't played in 11 months i could see how he's not consider that, but Kyle Murray to me, he's had a 55 QBR better in every season. He's like a t- top 10, top 12, top 14 guy that's worth something. So, A, do you think he's one of those guys that's actually buildable around? And B, do you think the Cardinals should build around him or use the fact that he's actually a guy to get some picks and get Caleb Williams or Caleb Williams or whatever? Yeah, I, 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 he's he's the border for me. He's like that. The he's the line. Like if you're not if your quarterback isn't better than Kyler Murray, you don't have a quarterback. The, my problem with building around Kyler Murray is you had the coach like th- they were married. Kyler and mm. Kyle were yeah. th- like they were made for each other. Uh, Kyler and Cliff. Yeah, they they were made for each other. Like that was if Cliff could have picked a quarterback to, to build around, that was him. 
-hmm. if you were going to find a coach who could unlock Kyler's best capabilities, it was Kingsbury. And the fact that they, that didn't work worries me a little about Kyler, but I do think, I do think Kyler is like, he's, he's good enough to, to make you serviceable. I don't know. I don't know if you think you're ever going to win a Super Bowl with Kyler Murray. I, I don't think so. But if the goal is to like compete and win some games, I, I think Kyler Murray can do that. I, I just, I, I, I don't know if his ceiling is Super Bowl ceiling. But you know what? There's a lot of guys like that. Kirk Cousins doesn't have a, a Super Bowl ceiling, but mm-hmm. he's, he's still pretty damn good. All right, AJ, talk to me about Herbs. The Lions beating the Cardinals. <laughs> Thirty-eight uh, points <laughs> against the Lions, man. Lions beat the Chargers, forty-one thirty-eight. The last six possessions of this football game. We're touchdown, 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 and then the game-winning field goal for the Detroit Lions. Uh, it felt like watching USC play football. Um, defense <laughs> was optional here. Yeah. But i got to admit, this was one of the more entertaining games of the day. Fantasy fans were, were, were loving it. David Montgomery, 116, and a touchdown. Amon Ross St. Brown went off, 156 yards and a score. Keenan Allen went Keenan off. I played Allen. Yeah. yeah, 175 Death. yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. But talk to me about Herbs. You know, 323 yards, four touchdowns, an interception, but – it came in a loss. Yeah. Only well, listen, Herbs can't play, he can't play defense, Scott. What do you want him to do? No, this was uh this was a typical Chargers game. This is a game that they always lose. And uh it was this was no different than what I expected it to be. I I figured it would go some especially when it was tied near the end. I figured this is how it would end up. I gotta give credit to Campbell at the end of that game when it, he decided I am not gonna let Justin Herbert have the ball again. Yep. And to, to go for it on that fourth and two from the 26 could have kicked the field goal with a minute 40 left and said, nope, I'm going to go for it in a tie game. Got that first down and see, basically sealed the game. That is a big balls move. And it paid off because if you don't get that first down now, now all the chargers need is a field goal to win. But instead they said, we're not going to give them a chance to, we're not, we're going to take the ball out of Herbert's hands. And it was a it was a brilliant coaching decision, I thought. So kudos to to Campbell, who I th- I think is the hero of that game. Chargers are now four and five. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs this year. I don't year. think so. They're not good. Is Brandon Staley back next year? He should not be. They've got to move on from this guy. Like I I, I get he's young and he's you know I, I, they were hoping that they had like the defensive Sean McVay. He's not. He's not mm-hmm. that guy. He's like uh he's a guy who probably shouldn't be like when you look at his resume, you say, How'd this guy get a head coaching job? And all he does is do things that make you think he shouldn't be an NFL head coach. And they I mean, the Chargers are not a um they're not a cash rich organization. They don't they don't like to throw money around. So eating his contract is probably not something they're thrilled about doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But You've you've got this certain window when you've got a guy like Justin Herbert, and it's it's all but wasted now. Um, when they're on their first contract, you've got to take advantage of those. And now, whoever whoever gets that job next is going to have to to really work uh, and and unlock Justin Herbert even further. But Staley's not the answer. They they've got to move on from this guy. Moving on, the Seahawks edge the Commanders with a game winning field goal, twenty nine at twenty six, and. I'll say this. We talk a lot of shit about Sam Howell, but there are moments where this kid shows you why coming into the NFL out of college, it was like, wow, you know, Sam Howell might be like the 
like prototypical NFL quarterback. He might be the guy that's the most NFL ready because yesterday Sam Howell showed me like the reason why he should be a starting quarterback in this league and the reason why he probably should have been drafted higher than he was. He looked great yesterday. Do you know who leads the league in passing? It's Sam Howell. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty wild. I mean, they've played 10 games, so he's got a little bit of an advantage there. But, um, yeah, I I don't know what he is. Uh, he's frustrating at times. Like, he's a guy – it sure. feels like sometimes he puts up a bunch of empty numbers. Uh, but I think they've done enough to say – like, whoever the next coach is in Washington has probably seen enough to say, I'll, I'll try – I'll take a shot with that guy. Um so like if Eric, if, if Eric Bieniemy takes over as head coach, like, I think he wants to keep Howell. I, I think, I think Howell. he, yeah, I think so. Okay, Mackenzie, your opinions on the Seattle Seahawks now six and three after this victory? I feel confident. I feel like the minus five hundred for our NFC West champions as 49ers is is pretty strong. But um, they're a playoff team. I don't know. Who do you think has more passing yards? This surprised me. Brock Purdy or Geno Smith? Because Ooh. Brock Purdy runs a running led team and they usually are milking games down in the stretch and they don't throw a lot and the Seahawks are supposed to be the opposite they have these two flashy receivers that they mm-hmm. pay a bunch of money to Geno Smith but it's not Brock Purdy has like 100 more yards really uh I, yeah but uh, Geno Smith had like, to 2200 yeah Gino, and Geno's had multiple games where he threw for like 120 yards or something mm-hmm. like that like he he's had some dud games he's 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 regressed from last year. He's just Geno Smith. Like yeah, what that's, he was, that's, that's why I feel I feel pretty confident about the 49ers two matchups coming up against the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah, they're both tied right now in the division, but it's going to come down to those two matchups, like you said. Because I mean, you look at what Joe Burrow did. You look at what Patrick Mahomes did. Those are the two games we had like no chance in mm-hmm. the last two years mm-hmm. against average quarterbacks. We usually do. We usually have a pretty good chance. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, nothing much to say about this Giants and Cowboys game except maybe Tommy DeVito got some cutlets when he when he went home and his mom (laughs) and his mom was like Tommy did you eat get over here you know I can't believe you did that press conference with the smutch on your face uh but you know like the Giants are in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes we know that there's not much to even the Giants do. just paid their franchise quarterback. What do you mean? Stop it! And then then trade the pick and and get some <laughs> assets. I don't know, but they're they're in the running for the worst record in the NFL. They are a bad football team. They uh, had they had no business being on the same field as the Cowboys yesterday. I mean, Dak Prescott looked like he was running practice drills in that game yesterday. The my biggest disappointment in this game was that Cooper Rush didn't finish with more passing yards than Devito. It was close. <laughs> that, it got, yeah, that it, it was you, close. Yeah, and if you take into account sacks, then I then the in the team stats, Cooper Rush had more. But uh, yeah, Tommy Devito. This my whole handicap on in the Cowboys were my favorite play on the pod. It was that the, this is not a real life NFL quarterback. This isn't even a like a backup level NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think you saw yesterday. He's not like he he is a bad football player. Like he doesn't belong on an NFL team. He should be playing for the the Houston Roughnecks or or the, the Tampa Force or whatever the the USFL teams are. Called. I don't know, but it, they it, this guy cannot be on an NFL roster. The Giants cannot, with good conscience, go out there with that guy next week and say, "Yep, you got it again." They have to do something because it, it like it, his personal safety is probably at risk here. It's that bad. Yeah, I just don't understand, like, you know, like they signed a guy in Matt Barkley who, you know, I guess has ex- he has experience he, he, with Brian Dable, you know? For right? years in Buffalo, yeah. yeah. 
So why, like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, why is Tommy DeVito playing over? I don't him? know. Matt, Matt Barkley is a very. I, I would guess he'll start next week. Matt Barkley yeah. was a very serviceable backup NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. I, I, I promise you, he's he's at least three points better th- than Tommy DeVito. Like, th- I knew this was going to be embarrassing because the Giants set themselves up to be embarrassed by by putting that guy out on the field. So is there anything we can take away from a Cowboys perspective, or is this no, just the Cowboys no. are who we thought they were, and they beat up on bad teams? Yes, the cow. If the Cowboys play against a crappy team, they will they will dominate you, and particularly teams with bad quarterbacks. That that defense is tough to handle. And let's look at the Cowboys. Six hundred and forty total yards. But look it's at the crazy. Cowboys. Look at the Cowboys wins this year. Right, forty to nothing over the Giants, thirty to ten over the Jets. They got 30, a type. 38 to 3 over the Patriots and now a 49-17 over the Giants. Let's see. Like, uh Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Tommy DeVito. Yep. Yes. Yep. And they also beat up on the Rams once Matt Stafford's thumb got hurt and he couldn't throw the ball. Yes. They, the Matt they, Stafford they, Brett Ripon team, they beat him 43-20. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they do. If if you have weakness at quarterback, they will they will make life hell for and their, you. And their losses they will run it up. Their losses this year are to Jalen Hurts Brock Purdy, and my man Josh Dobbs. <laughs> yeah, that, three, I, that game I'll never, I'll never understand that game. I will Why? never understand that game. Josh but Dobbs is him. I guess so. <laughs> All right, one game to wrap up the week tonight: Monday Night Football. The Bills hosting the Broncos. Buffalo laying seven, total of forty-seven and a half. Now, primetime unders are everything what is it now 23 and 7 on the season or 24 and 7 primetime unders this year you got the bills and the broncos now this is a much higher number than we've seen here on these primetime games does the under streak end tonight aj uh i don't think so i i think that um the broncos ineptitude on offense is, is pretty legit russell wilson is still like People are talking about like the he he's looking so much better. He's still like he hasn't thrown for two hundred yards since like week five. Um, he, he's not very good, but I don't know the the Bills. I, I something just doesn't feel right about him. Uh, something feels off with that offense. Uh, defensively, they are still banged up, and they're gonna stay banged up. I don't I don't know. This should be a good bounce back spot for Buffalo, but I I don't trust it enough to bet it. No way. I just yeah seven and seven overs and twenty three unders. Yep, so twenty three and seven, and it's been like eleven straight. By the way, Um, this is one of the spots where the Bills last season would have won fifty two to six. Like they they would humiliate this team, but something's wrong with these Bills. But that's why I think that we can see an over tonight because I think that the Broncos can score on the Bills defense, and then Josh Allen will do what he does, and Buffalo is going to win this game. But I think I think the I think the under streak. First off, I would wait a little bit because everyone's going to be betting the under, to, you know, tonight, and then you might get a better number. But I think maybe tonight's the night where the streak ends and we see an over. It's funny because these two teams defensively have kind of gone in opposite directions. For the first handful of weeks, the Bills were the, the best defense in the league, and then once the injuries hit, sure. they've been they've been below average and to bad actually. And then Denver, through the first four or five games, was like they were on pace to be the worst defense in the history of time. Mm-hmm. And over the last four or five games, they've really gotten it together, and they 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 look a lot more you know respectable on that side of the ball. Well, that'll be your Monday night football game tonight, and because uh, I I think that we're going to see points tonight, 
Uh, I like taking overs if you're going to do a same game parlay because I do think we're going to see points. Um, so I would look at, you know, some digs props or, or maybe, uh, you know, Dalton Kincaid getting more involved in this offense in Buffalo. I, I don't hate like a Dalton Kincaid anytime touchdown score tonight, AJ. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know who does the scoring, but the, they have looked. Kincaid scored his first touchdown last week. They, they've been looking to him. Uh, it's probably not a bad look. Plus 175 tonight, Dalton Kincaid. I'm RJ Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas, and they got a water bottle, and they got, like, uh, celery chopped up. And let's forget about them, because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1, but I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try, but they're not perfect with it. And to me, that's what makes AG1 perfect, is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much. Maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1, and all of a sudden, you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that, that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink and feel healthy, well, I love it. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app, Pick 6. Now, what's different about this thing? I was never a big fantasy guy. You know why? Is I always worried, you know, who's on the other side? Who am I playing against? With Pick 6, you're not going against another player or players. You're going against the bookmaker. You're going against the number that they put up. So all you got to do is pick between two and six NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of the stat that interests you. Download DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with code RJ. That's code RJ. Only at DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18-PLUS in most eligible states. But age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, please visit dkng.com slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. Texas A&M football has made a change. Jimbo Fisher dismissed, and that is going to cost the school over $76 million, nearly triple the highest known previous coaching contract buyout. Uh, Fisher is owed $19.2 million within 60 days, and then $7.2 mil a year through 2031. And that the annual payments start 120 days uh, after his termination. And this is, I think it's the right move, but my goodness, it, it, when you give a guy a 10-year deal and you, you know, you push a contract up through 2031, I don't know why they, they redid that deal. Um, he was given that four-year extension in 2021. 
uh, that pushed it up to 2031. It made no sense to me at the time. They hadn't done enough yet to, to make you want to pay that guy. Uh, but listen, this, this guy has got to be in the best situation. He's clearly coaching has passed him by. He doesn't want to change. He, he doesn't want to adjust to the, the new age. This is, this is the right thing to do, but boy, it is so expensive. Uh, but Ross Bjork, the, the AD at Texas A&M, he said that the program has been stuck in neutral. So, uh, I, I thought it was odd that this happened coming off a win coming off that, a 51 to 10 win yeah yeah but because um, you know you know what happens is and and this is what happened the decision was made after the loss to Ole Miss I'm sure and and they it didn't matter what happened yet uh, you know this past weekend it didn't matter that they blew out Mississippi State um it, it was just a matter of getting the funds together from the boosters over the past week or so and so they decided to make the change after the loss to Ole Miss. They take the week trying to collect the money, and then once they have the money, they're like, "All right, well, we got it now. We got every, we got our our you know T's crossed and our I's dotted, and now it's time to let them go." Oh, we won fifty-one to ten. Okay, that's great. Um, at least the story won't be out in the media off of a loss. But hey, you're out, Jimbo. Well, and at least I, I think maybe they got the funds together by betting on AM to cover the spread this week. It was <laughs> maybe a, that's why. <laughs> it was a push last week against Ole Miss, and they said, hey, Jimbo, you better coach your ass off this week. He's feeling the pressure. So he goes out, wins 51 to 10, doubles up the money in the donor's pockets, and now they, they were able to put put enough together in the pot to get rid of the guy. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be a 7-5 and five season. They're 6-4 and four now. They'll beat Abilene Christian uh, this week and then lose to LSU final game of the season and finish 7-5. and five. Yeah, uh, probably have a Mayo Bowl championship uh, at the end of the season. Who knows? The Dukes? <laughs> the Dukes Mayo Bowl. Uh, you know, real quick, the uh, top 25 AP poll came out. The college wall playoff rankings will be out tomorrow night, so we'll have plenty of that to discuss. Uh, don't assume much changes, but if you take a look at the AP top 25, AJ, what's really interesting is the Pac-12. Arizona is, you know, number 19. Utah still in there at number 16. You got uh, Oregon State, number 10. And then Oregon, six, Washington, five. Pac-12 going strong in its final season. Yeah, no doubt. They've put together a good season. And what's wild is they may they may still find themselves left out if things don't break the right way for them because it, it's still a real possibility they have a one-loss conference champion and then you've, you've, you've got decisions to make. Taking a look at the NBA where... The L.A. Clippers continue the long-standing tradition of James Harden teams losing. They fall to 0-4 with James Harden in the lineup, 105-101 no. to Memphis. No, that's surprising. No, I no, know, no, I know. When you McKen- bring James Harden in, you immediately turn your team around. McKenzie, what, what's going wrong uh, with the Clippers and James Harden? It looks like they have four washed-up superstars on their team, and I don't think that's the case. They might have one or two, but... Just the four of them together, the L.A. Kings, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, who I do think are current top 10 players. Maybe Paul George has fallen out of that, but I think Kawhi is there in the league right now. Then they have Russell Westbrook and James Harden, who were that forever. And all together, it just looks like a jumbled mess. James Harden, he doesn't add anything that you didn't have before. I thought they might, 
uh, you know, use the advantages that both of them have, Westbrook and Harden, and kind of minimize their weaknesses, but they haven't done that at all. James Harden minus 28 on the floor last night, uh, four for 12. It's like he just has too many of those games that just seem lifeless on a, on a Sunday morning where it's like I, it doesn't seem like it was, it was blood, sweat, and tears for him, and it seems to infect the rest of the team. The Houston Rockets, 107-104 winners over the Denver Nuggets. That is six straight wins for the Rockets after an 0-3 start. Are the Rockets a, an actual living, breathing NBA team? Yeah, they they really are. And we talk about some players that aren't going to be in your top 10 lists, like Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks, that move the line. And collectively, adding them both at the same time with the progression of their young players like Sengun, Jalen Green taking more of a back seat, which has been helpful to them. It's like a three or four point line move over the summer. That's really hard to detect. But if you have your eye out for it, it, it makes a lot of sense. They're fourth right now in scoring margin. They're winning by eight points per game and they haven't had an easy schedule. So I do think it's going to come back to earth. We saw this with the Jazz last year. I don't think they're a playoff team, but they are a lot better overnight. Some of that was adding a new coach. And a lot of that was just spending in free agency, adding Fred Van Vliet. And a lot of people said they overspent for Dylan Brooks. Doesn't look like it now. Now that he's only taking six shots and he's playing the best defense on the team and he's you know doing the the little things, it's hard to buy. Yeah, I I think they made uh, listen whatever you think about the the backstory or the personal stuff, but I, I think they they made a, the best coaching hire that they could have made. Uh, which again, you you have to catch some grief for it. But at the end of the day, it looks like it was the right move. All right, looking at the schedule tonight, the Wizards are catching nine and a half at Toronto, total of 228. The Wizards have by far the fastest pace in the NBA, and yet this total isn't that high, and their average total isn't that high because they've just been that bad at shooting the basketball. True travesty, or at least it would be if I didn't bet them over under 25 wins. So I'm uh, happy about that. Chicago Bulls are catching eight at Milwaukee. A lot of people saying the Bulls may be rolling over. Is is that what you're seeing? The I'll tell you this. The Vegas market isn't agreeing with with that opinion. If, if that's the case, every time a Bulls line comes out, I look at my power ratings and I'm like, they're not as good as the Thunder. Why are they being priced like it? They're not as good as Brooklyn. Why are they being priced like it? They, they've been a lot worse than I think people have admitted and that's why i bet their season win total under two years in a row expect to cash two years in a row but this seems like the ideal matchup for a bulls team that is on to beat a bulls team on the second night of a back-to-back a fully rested team that's gonna put up a lot of points they're not gonna win or they're not gonna try to win close games in milwaukee a team that has had their number historically uh a lot of things lining up for milwaukee here in my opinion the knicks plus eight and a half at boston boston playing some good ball Speaking of Milwaukee, this was the story with the Bucks forever when they were number one in net margin and they hadn't won a championship and they seem to get better statistically every year and they there's going to be a question mark until they do. But all you can do is beat the games they've had in front of them and they've looked like the best team by far so far in the NBA. We do have one home dog at the Sacramento Kings, three-point dogs hosting the Cleveland Cavaliers. I, I lean Cleveland here. I might end up. I might end up making my uh, my my card. Uh, I don't understand how it's only three when the Kings' best player, De'Aaron Fox, since he's gone out, they've looked like as bad of a team as they were expected to be last year when they surprised a lot of people. I think it might be a one a straw that stirs the drink type situation. I mean, who do they build their team after? Mike Brown, former with the Warriors, forever won a couple championships there. He built the 
Golden State Warriors Jr. with DeMonte Sabonis being Draymond, with De'Aaron Fox being their point guard. And when you don't have that guy, we saw them win 19 games, the Warriors, one of the best teams of, of the last decade, immediately were terrible. So I'm thinking the Kings might be immediately terrible, and I'm waiting and seeing. To their credit, the Kings have won two in a row uh, against the Blazers and the Thunder. They're it's only hard. They're I'm only trying to figure it out, but I don't know. Their only losses this the year to the Rockets and the Warriors, who have both uh, been surprisingly good. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to think of the Kings either. I, I, I do think Sabonis is pretty good, um, I, I, but I, I think you're right. Like their their ceiling is so much lower without Fox on the floor. So that'll be an interesting And, and losses to the Rockets aren't as bad as they seemed at the exactly. time. Exactly. Sure. At the time, yes. like, oh, how do you lose by 20-something to the Rockets? It's terrible. But turns out, oh, maybe the Rockets aren't that bad. You know, I, I, we don't suddenly think the Nuggets suck, and they lost to the Rockets. So right. uh, crazy things happen in the NBA. Thank you, McKinsey. Just two games on the ice tonight, and we'll start in Edmonton, where the Oilers host the Islanders, and Edmonton will be playing their first game since firing their head coach, Jay Woodcroft. We talked early uh, or late last week uh, after Edmonton had lost to the San Jose Sharks, AJ, that a move was coming, that that they had to make a change. This was a team that was one of the Stanley Cup favorites to start the year and yet sit there, sit here now after a win, a 3-9-1, and one, one of the worst records in the entire NHL. And yeah, lost to the San Jose Sharks, who had yet to get a, a, Terrible. a, a win up until that point. And so Jay Woodcroft is out. Chris Knobloch, former Rangers AHL affiliate, Hartford Wolfpack head coach, he becomes the new head coach now, and he brings former in... Former twin uh, second baseman. No, that's Chuck Knobloch. Uh, oh. And he and he brings <laughs> in uh, Paul Coffey, you know, one of the all time greats who has been serving as an advisor to the Oilers. Um, he is going to be joining his staff on the bench. So uh, putting together a nice little bench there for the Edmonton Oilers. Let's see if they get the new head coach boost tonight as they are minus 165 favorites at home over the Islanders and the Avalanche are in Seattle to take on the Kraken Colorado a minus 155 road favorite total of six and a half and man when the Avalanche take on the Kraken it just feels like an over type game although these two teams played earlier this season and the Avalanche did win four to one but the Kraken won most recently four to three over the Avs just last week Make sure you guys are heading over to pregame.com and taking advantage of the incredible offer that we are still allowing you to get, which is a free best bet. You can get a free best bet if you use the promo code COFFEE25. COFFEE25 gets you $25 off at pregame.com. Now, if you don't want to use that on a daily best bet, that's fine. Just take $25 off like a seven-day all-access or something like that. COFFEE25 is going to get you $25 to spend at pregame.com, but I'd recommend using it on a three-star best bet. You know, you could have gotten my Brees Hall over two and a half receptions last night. Cash that bad boy, three units. Could have got one of AJ's, three-star best bets, one of McKenzie's, three-star best bets for free 99. Get it free if you use the promo code COFFEE25 only at pregame.com. For McKenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Zadberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM.